This is a Federal News Network podcast. Agencies will soon have a new way to recruit and hire more student interns. The Office of Personnel Management has a new authority that allows agencies to skip the usual job posting requirements and directly recruit students as paid interns. The authority also allows them to non-competitively convert successful interns to permanent federal jobs. This is the second time OPM has used that regulatory process this summer to tweak the federal hiring process. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco joins me now to explain the new intern hiring authority and why it matters. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Jared. So walk us briefly through exactly how this new authority is going to work. Right. So students who are pursuing a bachelor's or a graduate degree, at least on a part-time basis, are eligible to be considered for one of these jobs that an agency might post using this authority. Students might also be, you know, about to pursue a degree or something like that. So I guess technically agencies could hire maybe a high school student who is committed to a college But so agencies can use this new authority to hire students for a temporary appointment of up to a year or a term appointment of one to four years. And they would have these paid jobs at an agency at, you know, the GS 11 level or below, and they would work those jobs while they're in school. And anyone who finishes their degree and then meets a series of other requirements might be eligible for the permanent position but at the same agency. And I think one of the keys to this new authority is that agencies could convert them non-competitively. So that basically means that they don't have to post that job on USA Jobs and then compete with other individuals who may not have interned with that agency. And, you know, this is, I think, pretty important because agencies have really struggled with interns in recent years, and we can get into that in, in more depth later. But Another key component of this is that they can strategically uh, hire some of these students to some of these jobs. They don't necessarily have to go through USA Jobs to do that. It's not a requirement. They could maybe go to a hiring fair and directly kind of coach that student through the hiring process, or they could post these jobs to their website. And that's actually one of the only real requirements here is that the job has to be posted to their agency's website in some form. Uh, just to spend another beat on on how the actual system works, Nicole, are, are there any kind of safeguards here to prevent abuse? Because I could see potentially somebody who wanted to abuse this uh, getting one of their friends to take one community college course and say, you're now an intern and now I can convert you non-competitively to a permanent job. Well, so the intern has to be successful in the internship and they have to complete a certain number of hours at the agency in order to get or to be considered really for a permanent job. And you know, generally speaking, the students have to be qualified in the same way that you know, a non-student intern would be qualified for the job. So I do think there are some safeguards, although as OPM is soliciting feedback on this interim regulation, I have to imagine they will get some concerns and probably some concerns from some of the federal unions on that exact point. Okay, so as you mentioned, there there are and have been pathways for agencies to hire interns in the past. What are what are some of the key differences here? About besides what you already mentioned, that that ability to transition into a permanent posting without further competition. So I think the big thing really is the lack of requiring agencies to post these jobs on USAJobs.gov. 
And I spoke to one chief human capital officer a little bit about this new authority, Tracy Therrett. She's the Chico for the VA, and she specifically flagged this, I think, as a really meaningful difference for VA in trying to recruit more interns in general and then hiring them later on to permanent positions. And she says, you know, it doesn't mean we don't have to advertise the positions. I mean, that would be a completely separate and maybe concerning thing. It just means that agencies have more flexibility in how they identify candidates, how they select them. And she believes that this would actually expand access to federal government jobs to maybe a wider audience. I think, you know, we're really hearing some frustrations with USA Jobs. We always have been, of course, but I think generally speaking, hiring managers and chief human capital officers don't really see USA Jobs as actually providing a pathway to the kinds of candidates they really want and qualified candidates at that. And so being able to directly recruit students and then send them to this job posting, not on a confusing site like USA Jobs, I think is a is a benefit that many agencies see with this. All right, Nicole, in, in our last couple minutes here, give us some context here. Put this in the this new hiring authority into context with some of the Biden administration's other priorities for reforming federal hiring. So when it comes to interns specifically, I think the Biden administration and to be fair, other administrations ahead of this one have acknowledged that agencies are not doing well when it comes to hiring interns. So You know, just to give you some data on this, back in 2010, agencies offered 60,000 paid internships. And as of 2020, they were only offering 4,000. And then, of course, naturally, that translates to just hiring fewer interns into permanent federal jobs. So, you know, under the 2020 budget request from the Trump administration, they highlighted that agencies hired 35,000 interns back in 2010 again, compared with just 4,000 in 2018. And that's an 89% drop in hiring student interns to permanent jobs. And so for the Biden administration, which has really been talking a lot about staffing up, filling vacancies, they see entry-level talent as one way to do that. And, you know, that's been a priority on a couple of different fronts, one with improving diversity and inclusion. And in fact, in a recent June executive order, they essentially told agencies to find ways uh, to reduce their reliance on unpaid internships. And this new hiring authority might be one way of doing that. And then the other thing I would point out is, you know, this is the second time this summer, actually, that OPM has drawn on the regulatory process to make some kind of small changes to the federal hiring system, but I think ones that agencies actually want. And the other thing that they did earlier this year was allow agencies to rehire former federal employees at a higher grade level than when they left government. And that has been, you know, something that agencies have wanted. Uh, You know, the regulatory process has finally gotten them where they want with that. And the Biden administration has said that, you know, that's just another tool they believe that'll help agencies fill some of those vacancies they've experienced in recent years and potentially bring back people that they've had before in government to positions more quickly than maybe they would otherwise. All right, excellent. Federal News Network's Nicole Agrisco. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jared. And you can read Nicole's story about these new hiring authorities at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving 
our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and 
how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. 
Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.